This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the fanalist, and Southey. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, as the intro says, Southey's here, but Southey's not here, unfortunately. He's uh, he's dealing with some, some cat troubles. We're wishing the best for little Bilbo and hope that he's okay. Uh, but filling in today, we've got our uh, honorary fourth and fifth members of the show. We got uh, Bean and Darty back. Welcome, guys. How's it going? Hello, hello. And as always, I'm joined by uh, my good friend, fanalist, Steph. How's it going? Hey, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone. Welcome back. I know it's been such a long time, it feels, especially without Leafs hockey. What is it? Day 200 and no, I'm just kidding. But it feels like that anyways, though, right? And So glad to be back. Finally. So glad. So uh, we've got a bit of a special one here today, as we said, and as you all know, Leafs aren't playing. And uh, as we just found out, the Wednesday game is also postponed. So uh, sorry, Steph, I know you got tickets for that one. And sorry to anybody else out there that did, but it's ever changing. So we're going to do a special one today. We're going to cover the World Juniors and the Leafs prospects in the World Juniors and some of the... uh, news going on in the NHL, and then we're going to get into a little history lesson. So uh, I was kind of scrolling through Twitter, and my friend Victoria Stewart over in Scotland was asking about Leafs history, and I thought, uh, why not? Let's let's end our season off with talking about uh, all the history of this team that we all cheer for, for some reason. For a good reason. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like my dad was even saying, like, who wants to hear about Harold Ballard? I'm like, a lot of people who didn't grow up having to deal with them like it's you know the time when this team won all their cups and it's like a true crime documentary in itself so we'll get to all that and uh oh go ahead no i was gonna say the reason why this organization is the biggest in the nhl is because of our history because we are an original six team and yes it's so important and i personally admit i'm not fully caught up on the history so i'm very excited about this episode and our friend bean to fill us in and johnny and your dad ed oh my god so exciting so (laughs) i have a take here from him written down that uh, he actually said he was afraid to say like call in to shows about in um, fear of being sued for defamation because it's uh, quite the conspiracy theory that he has here and i gotta say i believe it so that has to do with the that's not against batman in 93 is it so this is uh this has to do with the 1993 game that we'll get to later but uh hey let's kick it off so first thing we had uh 12 games of giveaways which really quickly turned into like i don't know what did we do eight games of giveaways with all these postponements so uh we (laughs) look we have stuff to give away you know (laughs) we've got so much stuff still so we're gonna save a lot of it for the second uh half of the year here um we'll have some other contests we got a jersey to give away still Steph got lots of clothes to give away socks hats all that but today in leafs items (laughs) we'll dress you so uh (laughs) we've got another winner to announce so congrats to 34 leafy at 21 leafs fan you have won yourself steph what do they win this time they have won a pair of awesome John Tavares socks. And cool. Of JT socks. They are pretty awesome. They are pretty awesome. So cool. So good. <laughs> oh, 
make my editing job so much harder when you do that, but I love it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But the socks are so cool. The stickers are awesome. And uh, please be patient, everyone. We're still in the mix of sending everything out. I know a couple of you have gotten their gifts already, but they will come shortly after Christmas. So please yeah. hold. <laughs> So I'm currently, as you can see, I'm going to get this video up, but as you can see, I'm not in my usual office. I am behind my dad's uh, sports bar. So um, once I get back to Ottawa, I'll be packing everything up. There was a bit of a delay, you know, COVID and all that has kind of shut down a lot around the cities. So yeah. we'll get everything sent out, I promise. I'm sorry it couldn't be there for uh, for the holidays. But uh, congrats to 21 Leafs fan. If you, uh, I'll reach out to you on Twitter. You do the same. Send me your address and we'll get you your stuff. Yes. Uh, so with that, what do we want to cover first here? World Juniors? Why not? Or... It's hot right now. Cool. It's very hot. Right. It's the only, the only hockey we get to watch at the moment, unfortunately, and so many other things happening along with that. But yes, finally, our team Canada played last night or yesterday, was it? So big win, yep. big comeback. Oh, my God. That was quite the game. And uh, Canada aside, if you caught our last World Juniors episode with Bean, you will know that there are three Leafs prospects in this tournament that we will also be covering. But uh, yeah, let's start off with Team Canada. Wow. So uh, wow. Owen Power, eh? Yeah. Demon <laughs> with the hat trick. What a... First D-man in World Juniors history. Yes. And first did it in defender. the first half hour of the game. Well, for... <laughs> For Team Canada. And the Sabres yes. prospect, all right? <laughs> Good for well, them, eh? Let's not go there. They we'll need see it. about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Honestly, that's the dream. We know Owen Power is a Mississauga boy. This, this guy wants to come to Toronto, of course. We can only hope after... Uh, watching this awesome debut in the World Juniors pre-turn or not accepting the uh, pre-tournament, of course, with well only one game. But yes, oh my God, I honestly was a little worried, uh, especially when you saw the three-one for for the Czech Republic there, and then you just blinked, and what happened after? Just the shots said it all. Uh, I think it was thirteen left in the third period, and it was thirty to eleven for Canada. So. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure we've got like a goal by goal and period by period breakdown here. Bean, you want to uh, you want to jump in here? Well, uh, started off looking really, really nice for Canada with Mason McTavish basically making himself look like a man amongst boys. Oh, that was insane! <laughs> that was a beautiful goal. Um, shows you really why Anaheim kept them up for as long as they did. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 really really put a lot of thought into whether it was best to keep him up or to send him back down. But ultimately with the amount of ice time he would get down in the minors playing in the juniors, yeah. it uh, would be a lot more beneficial. So that was four minutes in, um, not very long afterwards, Canada gets beaten. Um, I, I, I wasn't overly impressed with the way Garand started his game for Canada and net. But uh, he, he did settle in and he, quite nicely. And he just signed the, the, a three-year contract right before the season, didn't he, with the Rangers? Like right before uh, was, uh, or right before the tournament started, I thought. Yes. Yes, because they need another young goalie, yeah. right? <laughs> um, I know. Yeah, the, he, he let a, 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 a little dirty one in short side above his shoulder, but he did calm down quite 
quite nicely after that and Canada did not give up or did not give up after the timeout was called by Dave Cameron. Yeah, yeah it was what three a... goals on five or six shots. It was pretty uh, pretty rough start there for Durand, unfortunately. But hey, the team held yeah. together and they, yeah. they protected him and regrouped, like you said, after that timeout and really uh, held their own against. Now, are we calling them Czechia or are we calling them Czech Republic? It is Czechia. <laughs> it is officially Czechia. The country would like to be referred yes. to as Czechia. I think the I think that's their uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, their heritage name, and so they they that's what they're going with now. In their yeah, life. I read up on this. Apparently, it's an argument between their prime minister and the president. The president wants Czechia. The prime minister wants Czech Republic. So that's why everywhere has kind of been using both to stay out of the argument and be uh, apolitical. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we'll we'll just we'll do the same. We'll go back and forth. <laughs> yeah, and it's when we're talking about neither. teams as a general, like in the NHL, for example, we have guys like Cache who want that pronunciation, and then we have other guys who don't really care about the pronunciation, and they want that Americanized uh, way of saying it. But uh, yeah, that first goal for the Czech, I got to say, bad two-on-one defensive play by Canada. Unfortunately, we thought it was going downhill in the first period, and then the three goals on five shots. But man, what I love to see, that point shot. From the blue line, Mr. Owen Power after a scramble in front of the net to make it 3-2 anyways. I know I'm jumping ahead of myself. Five out of the six goals were from defenders, guys. This is why That's I wild. speak mm-hmm. so highly of this offensive play from defenders. I know we have our guys like TJ Brody on the ice for our Leafs, and it's better when we don't notice him. But, man, Owen Power, whoo. Yeah, there's something know, to I'm... be said about noticing good things from your defenseman for an entire 60 minutes <laughs> instead of not noticing them at all. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the one thing I'm also noticing with this tournament, I mean, I, I get it. They're younger kids, but the uh, the penalties, they're taking a lot of bad ones. Like, you know, somebody's already down and then you see them slashing. And I was watching, I think it was the Russia game. They hit three guys go to the penalty box on one whistle. Like, yeah. Wow. It's been an interesting tournament so far. Um but yeah, they so also Canada six three, uh, right? The the Russians. E, I believe so. Yes, they were against Sweden. You want to say? Yeah, they lost six yep. three. Yeah, right. that was a weird one. I don't know if anybody caught that game, but there was one goal that I, I messaged you guys about. So Russia's coming in. I think they had one goal at this point. I think it was like four to one or three to one, and. Um, Russia's coming in. Swedish guy cross checks him from behind after he kind of shot the puck or as he shot the puck. So goalie caught it, the uh, the Swedish goalie, but the Russian guy went down into the post, knocks the net off, hits the goalie, goalie drops the puck, puck rolls across the line while the net's off. They immediately go to review. I'm like, okay, this is what they're going to be a penalty or something. And then even the broadcasters were like, oh, I think they're reviewing if this is a goal. And sure enough, like we saw with, um, I think it was Willie and JT who scored that one for the Leafs earlier this season where the net was off because someone pushed Tavares into the net, knocked it off after Willie had already shot it. But they deemed the rules like as long as it's during a scoring chance, the goal can still count if the net's off. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what the Russians yeah. got. So wow, really, I've in, you know, 20 some odd years I've been watching hockey. I've never seen this rule come in. And now twice in one year it's happened. So kind of interesting. Wow. And and the kid that got it, Matt V. Mitchkov, he, um, he's going to be battling Bedard for first overall in the that would be the 2023 draft yep. really okay it's, that that kid is incredible it's almost going to be another 
Crosby Ovechkin. I'm not saying they're both going to turn out to be those caliber of players, but Mitchkoff is incredible. Wow. It's a name I was not watching, but I'll have to. Uh, the other thing I've seen with, I mean, I know we're talking World Juniors, but the uh, the Leafs prospects, I've seen the the order of importance kind of shifting around a lot lately as far mm-hmm. as uh, Amirov, uh, Nyes, Hirvonen, Niemela, uh, Robertson, and I think that's all of them. But the the order of like who's most important and coming up to the team keeps shifting by the day. So, I mean, Bean, where are yeah. we at right now with, with these guys? Like Amirov has kind of fallen out of of hype yeah so Amirov was kind of an off-the-board pick to begin with now very very high skilled player does have a lot of potential but he unfortunately is not in the best situation over in the KHL right now um there were some injury concerns and then some questions on is it a real injury is he having a rift with his coach what's going on ah. right right now he's getting used basically like um um, why can't I think of his name? Josh Levo was with mm. Babcock. Gotcha. It, it really not even. Um, so he's kind of dropping down a bit. We really need to get him over to start getting some time with the Marlies. That way he can get some game action. Um, anything and everything you can see in their regular seasons and with the World Juniors, um, Topi Niemela has just skyrocketed up the value chart right now. Part of it is a little recency bias with him and Maddie Nice, but I'd, I'd probably put Niemela, Niemela, Nice, Robertson, um, Ronnie Hervenen, somewhere in that order. Wait, oh, I, sorry, I forget which one of the Finns is the defenseman. Is it Niemela? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. It's okay. really nice to see because we haven't had, we haven't really had a defenseman come up through the system since Morgan Riley. And Jake Gardner, yeah. like I mean, Hall San- and Sandine and Lilligren. Yeah, Sandine and Lily. But I think, yeah, okay, yeah, Sandine and Lily. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about them. <laughs> they, they, they almost. <laughs> I take my entire point back. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I... they almost butchered Lily, though. Yeah, that but... was close. I mean, I'm I'm glad that this year we kind of just found the spot to bring them both up. Lily's been been pretty good. Everyone's impressed with Sandine. I saw lots of Sandine jerseys all around Twitter on Christmas Day. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Kids getting his name out there. Yeah, and the plus side about Niemela and Hirvonen is that this is their second World Juniors. They won the bronze last time, so they have some experience in this aspect, and Niemela won top defender in honors last year, so we know it's nothing but high ceiling for this kid, and he already has... uh, sorry, 24 points in 31 games played prior to the World Juniors. So this is one of these guys we talked about previous episode that we're so excited for, and I hope he gets a contract soon. Well, it's still so early to tell, but, you know, it's just, it's like a Christmas present. You just can't wait to open it sort of thing. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. And uh, we actually... Finland is playing Austria, I think right now the game is starting in the World Juniors, so uh, maybe by the end of the episode we'll have an update on how Hirvonen and Niemela are doing today. But uh, oh. if you're able to watch Finland's it. up 2-0. Oh, nice. Well, there you go. When, d- is it started already, I guess? Oh, shit. Yep. It's uh, 17 minutes left in the second. Oh, beauty. I thought it started at 3. I guess it was 2. Cool. Man. Niemela has 3 shots. Hirvonen has 2. What do you guys beauty. think of uh, Canadian's prospect Oliver Kapanen? 
I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been watching them. I mean, Ghoulie was the only one from the Habs I was really noticing. Oh yeah, he's a he's a son of a gun. Like he was really punishing the uh, the checks uh, all game. No kidding. That kid's going to be mm-hmm. uh, absolutely a force on that team. And I'm, I mean, by the looks of it, the Canadians might call him up uh, next week. <laughs> got nobody left. No one left. I mean, I'm, we're talking as we're Leaf fans that have no team to put on the ice either. But I just I saw um, Edmondson, Petrie and Sherratt and uh, uh, more of them all added to COVID lists. So it's, yeah, just an ever growing problem for the Canadian teams right now. Yeah. But uh, fortunately... We have uh, another one on Team USA, Maddie Nyes, who uh, has been watching. Nice. Is very, it nice very or nice? Very nice. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Been watching, uh, watching Bobby Matthews because uh, holy moly, that goal that was familiar. <laughs> Mini Matthews here, a boy from Arizona as well. Like, of is he course, actually he's from also, Arizona too? He's wow. actually from he Arizona. Is. He's 6'3", 210. Like, this is a mini Matthews here. And I love it. he scored a power play goal last night. And yeah, that shot, man. Whew, power play shot. Nice. One-timer wrist shot from a knee into the corner from Matthew's side. Like, everything about it, it was a Matthew's goal. It's beautiful. Yeah, 16 points in 18 games played for the University of Minnesota. This guy, it's another one. Like these these prospects, it's finally those that time where we're like, things are clicking. Things are working out in the sense where we can picture these guys with the Marlies and coming up through the farm on the Leafs. So just another one I'm excited about. Yeah, I feel like the last couple of years, it's just been, you know, you hear names every now and then and somebody might make it up. But this is the first time in a while where it's like, oh, we've got a we've got a group in them to to look forward to, which is nice. Yeah. And one thing I want to say with this World Juniors thing, that's pretty funny to me. <laughs> what is with these names, man? Like oh. Ivan, Ivan, Ivan <laughs> for the for the how do you say it now? Check, check, the, not for the Czech Czech Republic, Czechia, but. Czechia. Yeah. Czechians. The Czechians. And then we have uh, on Team USA, uh, Mr. Red Savage. I love that name. <laughs> what? That is not. Are you serious? Red this Savage. This is real. That's awesome. Yes. This is real. <laughs> Austria has an Oscar Mayer. Oscar, Oscar Mayer. Mayer Wiener. Of course he's Austrian. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. But it's like when you read the the names of guys in like the 20s and 30s, you're like, that's not a real name. Like Dit Clapper is not a real name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fun fact, I, I stayed like in his house day. once. They all had cool nicknames. They actually got, you know, like King Clancy, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think, like we need to bring think, that back. We need to actually like use their nicknames like you like in a way that would put, put it on the Wikipedia page. You know, like if you look up a player from the 1910s, like they're, you know, they usually have like a nickname in their name on the page. Whereas like no one, yeah. you know, no, no one, you know, has like Shorzy as their, you know, <laughs> as yeah. their name on Wikipedia, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> You know, sure, Jack Soup, Soupy Campbell or something. If I want to see that one day when the kids look back, they know that, that people knew him as, you know. <laughs> you know what this means? Uh, future parents out there, you got to start naming your kids these types of names like Red and Blue and Ivan, Ivan, that's, Ivan. and <laughs> That's the thing the hockey parents aren't getting. Is it's, it's like 50% push your kid beyond belief and 50% give them a name that's worthy of being in the NHL. <laughs> Yes, the publicity from that alone will make them a little famous. <laughs> okay, so speaking speaking of guys with cool names, um, back to Owen Power. 
That's a cool name. That's a, it's that a, gr- a great cool. hockey name. But do we actually see, I mean, Bean was talking about this morning. We had Adam Fox, who I learned, drafted by Calgary, traded to Carolina, traded to New York, finally signs. Yeah. Clifford, same deal. So could power not go to Buffalo when this is all said and done? There's the potential for that, but the the number of times stuff like that happens is so few and far between. It Mm -hmm. does normally happen with a collegiate player. Um, The player plays out their full collegiate career and then they decide, you know what? I'm not at the mercy of this NHL team. I can wait. I can sign with whoever I want. Mm -hmm. Um, Kerfoot did that to the Devils, kind of shunned them and signed with Colorado. And then obviously we all know about Adam Fox, who clinks when he walks because they're made of steel and (laughs) refused to sign with Calgary to force a trade. Calgary got what they could out of Carolina. Carolina couldn't sign him and went to the Rangers. So what's the story there? He just, he literally at 18 and 19 was like, I'm not playing here. Yep. Just pulled a Lindros. He basically told, kind (laughs) of, he, well, (laughs) that's a whole nother episode. We can get into Lindros. Um, he basically just said he wasn't interested in signing with them. Um, he wanted to play for New York. Um, if I remember correctly, I believe Fox was at Harvard. So there was a lot made about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he, he wouldn't sign, which is well within his rights. Uh, young players don't get a lot of bargaining material when it comes to their, their rights with their contracts and their yeah. um, NHL ownership. So he used what was there for him. Yeah, so we basically had Adam Fox playing be a pro mode in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Essentially. But when it comes to the Buffalo Sabres, I cannot see them letting go of this guy. After losing Jack Eichel, this is their new golden star, their little prodigy. And especially if he's going to be putting up a hat trick in his first World Juniors game, the hype is all on this guy. So <laughs> but I don't how know. Ma- how many defensive prospects is bu- uh, Buffalo just going to go through one after another like this is what i was saying earlier they, they keep coming in last they keep getting these players and wasting them away like they got nothing back for eichel they got next to nothing back for ristolainen and they have darlene left and darlene not much, not much from those years of tanking so not only what does that say about buffalo's development program but like what does that say about why power would, would want to join this team like he just saw all the guys before him get flipped for nothing and go to you know halfway across the the states so yeah why does power want to stay there like what does buffalo have what can they pitch to him for the next you know eight years that is is worth it Mm -hmm. some some of these kids they they come into the league with the mindset that they know how good they are not a a cockiness but more of a confidence and they want to be part of the solution right yeah um we all know the price of leaf tickets power growing up in mississauga there's a good chance he's been down to a handful of sabers games in his life that's fair Mm -hmm. yeah he knows the atmosphere knows knows the fan base i as much as i'd love to see him on another team because i don't want to have to play him in my own division um (laughs) i i can honestly see him wanting to try to be part of the solution if you go to a team like buffalo and you can actually make a difference and help turn that team around you're going to be a god and it's not like he's in the desert somewhere. Like Buffalo's a hockey town. Like they they'll support that team if yep. it's good or bad. I mean, it's almost like Toronto where the, they're still selling seats whether the team sucks or not. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Every year, Stanley Cup final, 
The top two TV ratings are the two teams that are in it. And the third is always the Buffalo, New York area. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Every single year. Wow, that's actually... I totally... I agree with that, Bean. Um, These young kids, especially on struggling teams, like, for example, the Anaheim Ducks, right? These these rookies just came up and were placed on the second and first line and kind of switched things around for them. And Buffalo is another one of those teams where these young players will just come in and think they can solve everything. And, you know, personally, I'm surprised that he hasn't played in the NHL yet, just from all the hype around him. But at the same time, I'm happy because I don't want him to get ruined, kind of like a hab scenario where they kind of ruin some of their prospects. Right. And oh, Caulfield. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he Cock actually Nemi. plays. Yeah, Nemi and oh. I saw the funniest tweet on Christmas Day. So uh, I guess it was from Christmas Eve. So you know how the government or like I think it's Canada Post does it. They do like the updates on where Santa is throughout the night. Yeah. So they said, uh, "Oh, Santa has officially landed in Montreal," and the Canes uh, PR team retweeted it saying, uh, "No, <laughs> too late. The Canes just offer sheeted him." that's awesome unreal they are relentless it wasn't like the official account it was somebody who does i think it was a writer from uh carolina but Mm -hmm. uh yeah that whole fan base of the team they're so funny they're so a bunch of jerks who would have expected the carolina hurricanes to be like the trolls of the entire league I know. You'd think it, and, it should be like the Arizona Coyotes just laughing at themselves, like honestly. They honestly deserve that position though, because if we thought about the Carolina Hurricanes five years ago or more, they were a bottom sinking team, you know? Like they were yeah. never on the top. This is recent success within the last five years that they've been on the top of the standings. I think personally they have earned the right to play out this savage savagey. <laughs> Weren't the Canes the first one to win the cup after the salary cap came in? Yep. With uh, Mr. Game 7 from uh, Coburg, Justin Williams. There you go. Justin Williams. You have Cam Ward stealing the crease away from Martin Gerber. Eric Stahl was on the team too, I believe, right? Like That's what he was famous for. Stahl was, and Rod the Bod captained them to a cup. Yeah, I was going to say, that was when Brenda Moore was still playing for them, right? Like, wild. Yep. Yeah. It's it's crazy how quick we, you know, it feels... I keep seeing those things like 2000 to 2021 is like 1979 to 2000, but it it is kind of crazy remembering these guys playing and now they're all coaching and, you know, moved on Mm -hmm. to other things. I was actually looking up what Sundin's up to these days. And uh, as far as I can find, he's just drinking on his yacht in Sweden. So (laughs) attaboy. Carolina also, Carolina also eliminated Toronto in O2 to meet Detroit in the final. Okay. Wow. Why would you remind us that? <laughs> I know. Ouch. <laughs> Break my heart for news. <laughs> I guess a lot of people sleep on Carolina, though. You kind of just don't see them coming compared to the big teams like back then, the Pittsburgh Pens or Buffalo. Or sorry, not Buffalo, Boston. Now I have Buffalo on my mind, guys. Thanks. But uh, I don't know. They're just one of those sneaky teams. And then right at the perfect moment, they'll just unleash another savage tweet and say hello from the top of the league or you know stuff like that. I feel like a lot of teams we there's like an identity behind them right like you kind of know what to expect from the organization but the Carolina Hurricanes have never really had that in recent years there's not like a thing that we peg them for doing they just 
keep coming out with whether it's a good goalie or a couple enforcers or you know they steal some some goal scorers from somewhere but there's no single equation that seems to work for them but they've gotten some good teams together over the last decade definitely especially the last handful of years sorry no no i was gonna say especially it's 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 been like smart decisions aside from the Kakanyemi offer sheet. They haven't really done anything that's made people go, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with Brindamore uh, standing up to the owners and, and fighting for the rest of his staff to get paid. Like, I mean, it's a really interesting team to follow. Um, I think back to front. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's giving and me a thumbs it... up for Rod Brindamore. The bod. <laughs> it's, that's also a sweet name too. Brindamore. It's just like one of those like just right? classic hockey sounding names. All right, so we are just about at our halfway point here, um, but it probably won't be halfway because we're going to spend a lot of time on history after this. Uh, anything we want to add for the junior? Oh, we got to talk about COVID stuff. What am I doing? We've got we've got a couple of things to add here before we go to break. So, Steph, yeah, you want to uh, you want to cover your your topic here? Well, I just want to bring up uh, momentarily for the women's under 18 championship, you know, cancel for the second straight year. And obviously the rage is it's guaranteed it's warranted, right? It's just one of those things where it's a slap in the face, but there are the little details behind the fine lines. So I just wanted to cover that a little and let the people know like why the world juniors are going ahead instead of the women's uh, under under 18 championship. So this year, for example, we had six tournaments canceled four women's two men's uh, the men's being under 20. And then back in January, 2021, it happened again for the women's. But the thing that people don't realize is that where the funding comes from for these tournaments. So especially with these tournaments being played in Europe. And then this year we had one that was supposed to be in Mexico. Uh, Last year, USA Hockey was the host federation and agreed to actually underwrite the cost of the bubbling and testing when that came in for COVID. So that immediately just that was the fine line. They had to cancel it all because for it to happen, the bubble had to happen, the testing, et cetera, et cetera. We were in the middle of the pandemic. So that was the reason why it got canceled last year. But this year they were scheduled, the women's were scheduled to play in Sweden, Hungary, Austria, Turkey. And then there was um, a, a few in the, sorry, Serbia and Mexico, but none of these federations could pay the additional costs when it comes to COVID whatsoever. So the reason why the world juniors are going ahead is because the teams arrived on December 15th to end or sorry, five days before December 15th to enter the bubble. They had a five day quarantine, but the biggest thing is that it's all funded by hockey Canada and the Edmonton Oilers. So it's just a matter of, money unfortunately and which they beat omicron by like a week basically yes by right in the there. middle exactly and people are wondering why doesn't the iihf pay for the tournaments it's literally because there's no money or resources and this obviously stems all the way down to the lack of coverage for women's hockey and everything like we if the women's hockey was bigger in general, we might not have these situations and then maybe they'd get the sponsor of USA Hockey, uh, Hockey Canada, etc. But we're not at that 
place right now. We're not at that spot. It is embarrassing. It still hurts. It's like that. It's just another one of those things that's so unfortunate. But on a lighter note, I just want to uh, shout out to IHF, which was the International Horse Federation that oh, got yeah. all the heat on Twitter. People were twitty- tweeting at the IHF, kind of just bashing them for this, but they weren't even <laughs> the problem. It, this is a whole nother thing, like Horse Federation versus <laughs> Hockey Federation. So I thought that was so funny, but yeah. I- now, did you guys see the tweet from the Ontario Women's Hockey Association? Got that up right here. I was just going to say uh, the OWHA would be pleased to step up to host the Under-18 Women's World Championship to ensure the players are supported. We commit to working with IIHF Hockey and Hockey Canada and federations on timing and safety. There yes. has not been an update since that tweet two days ago, though. Okay. No. And this is what we need, right? People need to step up. The people who have the means need to jump in right now because you can reschedule men's but just completely cancel women's it obviously sounds so unfair and just it's making everyone just manic right but unfortunately the economics is horrible brutal but at the end of the day somebody it seems like could step up here um i think there's the opportunity for it to still happen we'll see we'll cover it as we we get more news on that but for now Mm -hmm. it's kind of in limbo it seems Yes. Unfortunately. And on It's tough other to play between bridal- so many countries too. But um Yes. I know, especially when you're supposed to have a hockey tournament in places like Mexico or Serbia, you're kind of wondering like how are these places <laughs> going to afford it? Like do they even have ice down there? <laughs> you know, but Yeah, it's yeah, expensive it's- to make ice down there. Yeah. <laughs> but on a also lighter note, the NHL is introducing the taxi squad again, which is all kinds of good news that should have been implemented before the season started. In my (laughs) opinion, this should have been the backup of the backup plan. They should have had, you know, plans a to Z like written down and ready to go. So there's a lot of little stipulations that kind of help and not help our leaves at the same time because we know we have a cap issue with our leaves but pretty much as long as the player is not making more than one million there's a max of six players on the taxi squad 20 days max for the taxi squad there's freedom to add a goalie if a club has less than two healthy due to COVID-19 and they are only ineligible if they're on the NHL roster from December 22nd. And if they're waiver exempt, uh, NHL roster for 54 days or more or played 16 of the last 20 games. So uh, just a quick update here. Breaking news. The NHL has just postponed three more games. So that is Wednesday, the 29th, Chicago Blackhawks at Winnipeg Jets, Dallas Stars at Colorado Avalanche on Friday, the 31st. Um, and the, what is it? Jets, Blackhawks. Oh, so it's Jets, Blackhawks and stars. We're all going to be playing. So that's, it works out to be three games. Um, the Colorado at Dallas Blackhawks announced that, um, oh my God, this, there's so many weird spaces and breaks in this thing. I'm trying to read it as it came out here, but it's just <laughs> written awfully. Marc-Andre Fleury was p- placed on COVID protocol. Uh, stars announced Rupe Hintz, Essa Lindell entered, pro- entered protocol, joining Radom Faska, Hakenpa, Hirskinen, G- 
Stevie Ranta, Raffle, and Jason Robertson. Mm-hmm. So it uh, looks like it's going to be a soft return to play as the Leafs yeah. and uh, the Avalanche and the Stars and the Sens and the Canadians and Penguins. There's a bunch of teams that still can't play. But mm-hmm. luckily for fantasy, we're going to have some games going. <laughs> yeah. Some games for fantasy. And I'm just thinking with this new cap hit, or sorry, no cap, but new taxi squad, if all of your star players are out, it's pretty much the whole farm playing if they don't have uh, COVID. And they have to no make kidding. less than $1 million. So yeah. you definitely know it's going to be like not a lot to choose from even dubis said if they were to play on wednesday they'd be still without one d because there's no other defender that meets the requirement to play on the taxi squad so oh geez but so far we have clifford dahlstrom biega crawl and wall on our taxi squad so is that still a no-go for hosang is he still making too much money or well he's not signed yes he only has an AHL contract. That's the thing. He's not two-way. So he is completely ineligible until he signs a two-way contract. And Marner's not available until January 10th because stupid LTIR. Nope. Yes. nope. Nope. That changed. What? Uh, go ahead, Bean. I saw yep. you are going to jump in there. Yeah, sorry, Steph. Um, he is eligible. The NHL ruled that postponed games will count towards games missed for suspension or LTIR purposes. Thank goodness. That's only fair, right? Because (laughs) this is so out of the league's control and the player's control. What if we're postponed for another month and then he has to miss another two weeks? Like, that doesn't make sense. So I'm so glad that they kind of snuck in this rule. And yeah, the plus side about this all is it gives the players time to heal. But on the other hand... (laughs) We're losing practice time and such, but the Leafs have been practicing. I think Matthews by himself. I don't know. He's working on that shot or what. But... Yeah, and we've got uh, hot. We've got the taxi squad officially. Is uh, Kyle Clifford, Philip Krall, Alex Biega, Carl Dahlstrom, and Joseph Wall currently? Thank you. Hot again. take: the next NHL game will be the Winter Classic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> but. Yeah. yeah, Saturday's game is still, or was that one of the postponed ones, Johnny, that you read off uh, for the breaking news, the Saturday Saturday game? For, I think the Leafs Ottawa? one on Saturday is still, oh, Leafs sends, I don't think is happening. Ay. January well, 1st, it still says it's on. Okay. That's supposed to be the first game, but... Little, little soon, right? I don't know if these players are getting the two weeks off, but uh, no, I'm glad the taxi taxi squad is back. So give these yeah, guys. Yeah, so a... far the the Penguins game, the 29th, is the last one that's canceled or postponed. But it says no makeup dates have been announced at this time. So yeah, uh, as of now, the January game. 1st game is still a go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so much. for that Sens game, we've been talking about it all year. I'd love to get somebody from a Sens podcast on to do a little little dual show there. So if any of y'all yes. are listening, hit us up. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, Jake Muzzin was added to protocol and William yes. Nylander was added to protocol. I thought Willie got COVID last year. Doesn't that give him the antibodies? And he should... No, he just had a close contact. Yeah. Yeah, from his little... Uh... That has to be Friend. my favorite question. Where they're like, so... Yeah, where did you go? He's like, I, vis- <laughs> I visited a friend. 
<laughs> it's it's like that that uh, Simpsons episode was a Mr. Plow where they're asking him uh, how he got the car accident. He's like, "What is it?" It's like, "I was at a pornography store. I was buying pornography." <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. So uh, wow. hopefully, I mean, we've got Taveras and Kerfoot, and I think the who else was in the first group of them, but they're all back. I don't know. It's going to be a weird Simmons. couple weeks for the Spets list. Back. Spets is back. Simmons, Simmons. back. Kerfoot. Well, that's what I was but... going to say about them bringing Marner back. Is like the same reason they let Spets off is suspension is because we had lost so many players. They're like, well, we can't keep somebody off for no reason, basically. And yeah, sure enough, he ended up right on COVID protocol. We're literally going down to the minute because if you looked at what a Leafs roster would have been yesterday or the day before, it would have been the the top line, the second line completely in protocol, then the third line center protocol, and then it's just all protocol, protocol, protocol. We have on defense Hall and Viega and Lily, no goalies. So if I don't know if you guys Oi. saw that Steve Dangle <laughs> tweet, it's just so empty. I'm throwing so the gear on. Anyone with a Leafs jersey out there, you're more than welcome to come on down and show your skills. We'll do a they've, professional uh, tryout. <laughs> they've recalled the practice mannequin. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, what's his name from University of Alex Bishop come back yeah. play net. Yes, UFT. So. Oh boy, we're gonna it's gonna be a whole UFT team out there. All right, so uh, we're I mean we knew this was gonna be a long one, but we're going over here. So we're gonna go to break when we come back. It's history time. So uh, behind me, you can see we have the 1993 Norris playoff champions. Ta-da. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about how that series went down because uh, we were all either not born or a year or two old. So uh, fun little lesson there. And then right after that, we're going to start talking about the saga that is Harold Ballard's legacy with the Leafs. But uh, we'll see how far we go. We might have to pick that up in another episode. All right. That's our break. We'll be right back. Thanks, everybody. Hopeless romantic, my girl, chin up for the kid. I'm not on no same shit. We'll stop to the youngest he dreams. When I take him from rags to riches. I heard that you claim that you know me, but you ain't the homie. The fuck is your friendship? I need the laws. He bag up the royalty. I give a fuck if you notice me. Ain't nobody holding me. Big wave at your shoreline so they know it's me. Bay boy from the cold seas. Nitro with a new pen. Go at ISO. Tell him don't reach. Ice cold with a no fleece. We're back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So today we're doing a special Leafs history lesson for all of you like us that were uh, born in the 80s and 90s and didn't get to see the glory days of this team. But there is somebody here with me today who did see the glory days of this team. My dad, as I've been uh, talking about since the beginning of the show with Ed's text, um, I don't even know if he knows I've been doing this. I've been revealing things that he texts me during the game, and we've been breaking them down on the show. But here, I have somebody who was 10 years old Surprise. when the Leafs won in 1967, and whose shrine I am currently sitting in. Welcome, Ed Ross. Hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Clap, clap, clap. Clap, clap, clap. How could I? I can't. The infamous. I know. I'm going to have to. The ghost. I'm going to have to give you my headphones, I guess, and you can take over here. Well, I'm just. Other way. This way. (laughs) There we go. Handing handing the microphone off. Talk normally. Hey. Hey, Ed. So is your uh, new subject now 93? Yeah. It is. So, 
In 93, midway th through the season, I went to a Leaf game versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm going to say it was mid, just after the midway point of the season. And the Leafs were so-so. Nice. And Pittsburgh had Yager <laughs> and Lemieux. So I'm sitting in oh. the greens at Maple Leaf Gardens all by myself. For reference, can you tell people what the greens were? I don't think they used The those. greens were my favorite seats. They were uh, two-thirds of the way up, and my favorite seats were about four rows up. So you had your, your best seats were the reds, uh, then the blues, then the greens, then the grays, which we now call okay. nosebleeds. So the greens were my favorite seats because you could see everything. And nice. I would say about three rows immediately behind me were Pittsburgh Penguin fans. They must have had a busload oh. of about 400 people. And they were terrific. They were cheering. They were laughing. They were just so gracious. This game, the Leafs won 4-2. But to me, it was a turning point of the season. I said to myself, this team is for real. And, of course, we know the rest. I did uh, manage to make it to game three and game four of the first round against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Detroit deflated them in the first two games <laughs> in Detroit completely. I mean, yeah. emotionally, physically, Leafs didn't even belong in the first round in those first two games. Ooh. I said, you know what? Wow. I'm going down to the gardens. I had no tickets. I got into my car. I said, if I can find a free parking spot, I'm going to the game. Found a free nice. parking spot because I'm a cheap bastard. And <laughs> not only that, I waited. Well, it was now 10 minutes after the puck drop. And I find a scalper and I bought $60 tickets for 20 bucks. Nice. Uh, Leafs won. Now, yep. As someone who was there during this time period, do you recall wondering why Clark wasn't nearly as physical as he typically would have been? Why he wasn't fighting Probert? Why he was trying to focus more on the game of hockey rather than what he was at that point known for? Well, he eventually did. Uh, he had a really nice fight eventually with Probert and with uh, later on with L.A. with McSorley. Yes, with McSorley he did. But I know ahead of time, Pat Burns had pulled him aside and told him he was absolutely not to fight against Detroit. In the first round, exactly. He was not even there. He was yep. not there as Wendell Clark. Um, I only remember the later fights with Proby and McSorley. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Correct. But uh, so I wound up going to game four as well, standing room, because Leafs won game three. That's all I could get. And uh, they won that game too. Long story short, they were so much fun to watch. They were grinders. It was not a talented team. Again, Pittsburgh had Yager and Lemieux. Uh, Detroit had Iserman and, geez. Fedorov. Fedorov. Zach. Coffee. Sergey Fedorov. The, yeah. Yeah, they had the Russian Five. You had Larianov, yeah. Fetisov, Konstantinov. Yep. Lots the of Red Wings are a juggernaut. Yep. Lots of Ovs. Lots of Ovs. Yep. Leafs just ground. Leafs just grounded <laughs> out. Uh, had a decent defense with uh, Sylvain Lefebvre and Jamin McCowan and and uh, Kent Manderville. Just, yep, they were just they were just grinders, and uh, it was. I had the pleasure of meeting Pat Burns actually that year, nice. and uh, it was it was an exciting time. It was an exciting time, and uh, well, I'm going to let we're, Johnny read read you my little theory. No, on the were uh, you? Yeah, we'll, we'll on get the there final the outcome. Sorry. We'll now, get, we'll get were you, were you worried when um, Fletcher traded future Hall of Famer Grant Fuhrer to pick up Anderchuk and put the goaltending responsibilities entirely on Pop Van? No, I thought Pop no? Van. My wife and I both were in love with Pop Van. I, I got lucky. My my wife's a hockey fan. She <laughs> oh, yeah. score. If if if, uh, if, uh, if I pass away shortly, she's going after Willie uh, Nylander. <laughs> she's gonna ask him. Oh, she's gonna ask him out on. She's gonna Same ask him partner. out on a date for sure. If he's available, <laughs> nice. I think. Uh, the Leafs Late Night podcast has done a lot to uh, to say uh, how beautiful uh, William Nylander is. So <laughs> you're not- I knew he would pan out. I had that feeling after all the fiasco with his contract. I had the feeling he was going to pan out. Mm-hmm. This guy is no slouch. He's very talented. And uh, yeah, I have faith in him. Yeah, he comes from well, a long line of hockey players, so this we're we are all hoping Absolutely. for him to pan out, and now is the time. I'm so happy he's finally clicking with the team, and yeah, wow. I'm I'm actually uh, so happy to hear your story, Ed, and how you just went downtown to the gardens and no tickets, just parked your car and went in for the game. Yeah. Now this is the type of stuff i love to hear true fan well it's a, i'm through, a tip, so typical uh unstable leaf fan right <laughs> <laughs> generational, generational. <laughs> uh yeah it's uh it's it's a it's a sad way to live sometimes but you survived the ballard years you have nothing well, to apologize to anybody for exactly it's uh you find me a stable Leafs fan, and I'll find you a smart Habs fan. Okay, so no. <laughs> hey, when the Leafs won the Cup in '67, they were tied with the Habs for Stanley Cups, and then, then yes. it was, well, we know what happened. Then after Ballard, that. yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> so interesting to note that seat that you bought in the greens for twenty dollars is now on sale at Kijiji for twenty one hundred. <laughs> right. Yeah. I say you you want to offer some, me some money just add a couple of zeros. Yep. <laughs> That's my theory too. If you want to give me some money, I'll take all the exactly. zeros you can add to the exactly. end. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, I'm going to pass it back to my uh, my offspring here. And uh, you guys are great. <laughs> Love what you're doing. And uh, thank you. Keep, yeah, Aww. keep me in your dreams. <laughs> oh, we will. Thank you so keep much. Keep us in your text. My, oh, and you got your, <laughs> yes. your phones wrapped up in your glasses now. Okay, he's got to go right through here. Keep us in your text. We've, we've done it now. We're all tangled. What? Okay. Is this like a. Oh, that's awesome. Love it. Love uh, Ed's perspective on those things and those texts, just putting a face to the texts. All right. Yes. I'm back. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was fun. So that that was Ed. That was my dad. Um, anytime I'm back home, we'll try to try to get him on. That was fun. <laughs> I, I'm looking yes. forward to hearing that back. Um, dad, can you turn the fireplace off? It's very loud. Now I want to hear this. Yeah, theory. we'll get there at the end because uh, <laughs> nice it is. Theory. It's funny because it's so much in line with something that I would come up with. Like if this were to happen tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. uh, of course, I couldn't. Uh, besides my dad, I couldn't hear you guys talking. So where where are we picking up from here? Well, um, good luck editing at the end of this. Um, why don't Why don't we pick up at the beginning here? So. The Leafs, after their worst decade in history in the 80s, a full decade without a winning season. Um, Are you serious? I didn't know A full that. decade. Yep. The, the lone bright spot of the decade was drafting Clark first overall. Wow. Now, okay. basically the 92-93 run began with the hiring of Fletcher in 91. Starts to make some changes to the team. Obviously, we all know about the Gilmore trade in 1992. Um, that trade shook the NHL. For Gilmore those of us that are younger, time. do you want to break that down for the for the kids? So, Cliff Fletcher was previously the general manager of the Calgary Flames. He helped build that team in 1986 that made it to the final against the Habs and lost, and in 1989 who made it to the final against the Habs and won. And, of course, Doug Gilmore was on that 1989 team. And Fletcher knew knew Gilmore personally, knew what type of a player he was, and realized that he was definitely a type of player that the Leafs needed. So he was determined to get Gilmore in, and he orchestrated one of the biggest deals in history. So Toronto received Doug Gilmore, Rick Natress, Jamie McCowan, Kent Manderville, and goaltender Rick Wamesley. Four, Gary Lehman, who was a previous 50-goal scorer for the Leaf, Leafs, Craig Berube, Michael Petit, Alex Gudjanek, and Jeff Reese. Wow. Blockbuster deal. Oh. Huge. And Fletcher fleeced Calgary. Wow. 
because well, I mean, as, it's funny. He's so coming from his team. 92? He knew exactly what he was getting. It's like, all right, yep. I, I know these guys better than the guy who just took my old job. So uh, that's an interesting position to be in. Absolutely. Yep. This was a 92 and all of those players played a big factor in that playoff run, except Walmsley, obviously, because Pot Van was the star in that. Um, in May of 92, they hired Burns. Pat Burns, one of the best coaches the Leafs have ever had. Um, there is many a video clip of him. He was very, very passionate, including a beautiful one of him trying to get at Billy, Barry Melrose in the LA semifinals. There we go. There he yep. is, the big man. Ooh. Dogs ready for war. What you holding up, Johnny? The... Oh yeah, I guess for people that can't see it, that's I'm holding up a sports section from the Toronto Sun, April nineteenth, nineteen ninety three. It's a picture of Pat Burns. I thought that was a sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pat... where's Garfield? Where's <laughs> Pat Burns? That summer, so... actually requested a meeting with Gilmore over the summer and sat down and had a game plan. He told Dougie that. You know, not only was he going to be the best player on the ice, but he had to be the best player in practice, the hardest working in practice. And not that not that a player like wow. Gilmore needed to be told that, but it, it had a complete culture shift in the room. Yes, Wendell was the captain at the time, but Dougie was very, very important to the leadership group of that team. Wow, so you're telling me 1992, what an awesome year. I mean, our Blue Jays won the world series we had this amazing trade and then that of course the year that stuff the panelist was born so this is just the cherry on top if, so if you can thank see you my for that here, wow this wall actually is pretty interesting so this is all my dad's stuff behind me uh you can see here this is sports illustrated uh and canadian sports illustrated from uh when the jays won including two tickets from that season and uh he's got sky dome tickets 1993 versus National League Champions World Series. He's got the tickets from the game. And a uh, that bat wow. says, to Johnny from uh, Joe Carter. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. What a, what a collection there you have. And same with Bean. You sent us pictures earlier of your collection. Just amazing. Reminding me of our buddy Curtis in, in Alberta with his amazing awesome collection the huge man cave oh my god just a dream of mine but wow and look at that what's so I got the a, hat I got a there Leafs Johnny bucket I, hat. I used to rock this head. when i was a kid so this has all of the uh stanley cup winning <laughs> years around it which is really cool nice. from uh, 1932 to 1967 the uh, 35 years where the leafs won the cup a bunch of times and that's it <laughs> that's the last one as yeah, we all seen a couple years <laughs> Is it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> for for the arenas in St. Pat's, but that's another episode. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, as we go through the story, I have literally a pile of every uh, Toronto Sun sports section from this this whole playoff run. So as we go through this, I'm going to have some visual props. Like uh, this is the one I wanted to show. Um, this is the Sunshine Boy on the back. But uh, so this is Nikolai Borshevsky <laughs> and Doug Gilmore after they uh, eliminated... The Red Wings, that's a couple of beat-up hockey boys there. Dream Weavers. So, uh, yeah, Gilmore nice. was quite the leader on that team. Gilmore was incredible. So, the following season, Gilmore's 
after 92, sorry, after the trade. First full season for Gilmore as a Leaf. First season for Burns as a head coach. They get off to a incredible, or sorry, that was the following year. They get off to a good start. Um, Gilmore ends up finishing that season with the most points by a player in Leafs history. Record still standing to this day. Wow. What was the 127 point points. Holy. Wow. The next is Daryl Sittler with 111. Okay. Um, most assists in a season with 95, which is still standing as well. Holy. Like Gilmore cemented himself as one of, if not the best players at that time. Right up there with Gretzky, right up there mm-hmm. with Yager, with the Mew, with everybody. And to top it off, Gilmore wasn't all offense. He won the Selkie as well for best defensive forward. Unbelievable. Amazing. Now, real quick, I so, got to say, this: a lot of those wow. guys' signatures are on this jersey that I'm wearing. Because I managed to find this thing. This is the 1994 team, so it's got some of those guys on it. Some of them have... These signatures are almost impossible to read, but... Some of them thankfully put their number beside their name, so I'm able to match it up. But I've got like Felix Popman and um, Anderchuk, and there's a couple on here. Apparently, Ty Domi's is on here somewhere from '94. But yeah, it's uh, if if anyone's good with uh, with signatures, I'll post a picture of this to our Twitter, and you guys can see how many of the signatures you can make out. Help me out. Send me some photos. Even... We'll get it figured out. Yeah, I can't even figure out who all the names are on this. Uh, apparently, yes. I got this off Kijiji. A guy worked at the. Um, Vancouver Canucks arena in the nineties. And he caught the Leafs on their way out for their skate uh, during the day before they, they played that night. And he got the entire team to sign a Jersey and just, I guess needed some quick cash and I bought it from him. (laughs) It's the year I was born. So it's kind of special to me. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So being take, take it back. Sorry. I'm going to keep interrupting. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's okay. Um, So, the season, you know, had its ups and downs like any season. Clark had a handful of injuries that he was battling throughout it, and some of his teammates even said after the end of the playoffs that he was basically playing on one leg. Um, the buzz was there in Toronto with the Blue Jays and the Leafs. Um, February 2nd of 93, you know, just over halfway through the season, Fletcher pulls off another big move after previously acquiring future Hall of Famer Grant Fuhrer. Um, He decides to use what is now a position of strengths with the emergence of rookie Felix Potvin to deal Grant Fuhrer to the Buffalo Sabres. In return, not only did he get a first-round pick, but he also did get Dave Andertruck, who would then go on to be the third Leaf in history to score 50 goals in a season. Real quick, I found this one. Thanks, Doug. Wow. Here's another uh, another headline from the Toronto Sun. This is from uh, um, Wednesday, April 14th, 1993. Golden Boy Gilmore. Doug Gilmore acknowledges uh, an ovation last night before the game against St. Louis, having received a golden stick marking his single-season Leaf scoring record the season before. So you got a golden yep. stick for those records that you talked about there, and there is the picture. My dad's got all of these. Insane. Wow. It's incredible. And raps didn't even come around till 95. So <laughs> Toronto was no buzzing kidding. for the Leafs, right? And buzzing for the Blue Jays. So what a time to experience this. But anyways, continue. No, all good. 
So the season finished. Now back then you had the divisions. You had the Chuck Norris division, which uh, obviously not Chuck, but that was the nickname of it, which Toronto was in at the time. The Leafs actually finished third in the division with 99 points. Oh. Um, Chicago Chicago wow. was first. Detroit was second. Toronto and then St. Louis in fourth. Because for that those of you set... that uh, are unfamiliar, the Leafs were technically in the Western division at this point. Yes, that uh, from everything I can recall, that is still remnants of the Ballard era. Back in the day, Ballard had agreed to have the Leafs in a division with the Western teams so that he would see players like Gretzky more often to try to help boost ticket sales. Oh, that just checks out. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, also worth noting. That's so strange. That season... Um, what is the San Jose Sharks? Uh, this has to be one of their first years, if not their first, right? Yeah. This was their inaugural season. They finished uh, 83 games because apparently they played 83 or 84 games this year. Uh, the San Jose Sharks finished the season 11-70-2 for a 24-point season. Oh. Oh, uh, my God. Almost just as bad. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, 10-69-4 with 24 points. So this was San Jose and Ottawa's first year, right? Yes, it would have been. 92-93 should have been their first year. And uh, Tampa, I believe, as well. Yep, and Tampa, who was 23-53-7 wow. with 53 points. So uh, the three new teams coming bottom of each of their conferences and divisions. So that is why we have seen some change moving forward in to uh, the 2000s with how we handle expansion drafts. <laughs> so this doesn't happen every time. Yes. Absolutely. And just speaking of that, uh, those records are so horrible, but they're only third and fourth overall in NHL history. The worst of all time Washington. is the Washington Capitals inaugural season in 1975 with an 8, 67, and 5 record. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that must have hurt. <laughs> So Gilmore finished seventh uh, in scoring that year with uh, 32 goals, 95 assists. That uh, leading that year was obviously Monsieur Lemieux with 67 goals, 90 assists for 157 points. I have literally, this is crazy that my dad kept this. I have the, the whole end of year standings in front of me with all the scoring leaders and everything. It's wild. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, let's take it away. We're into the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that set up the matchup versus the Detroit Red Wings. And to put it bluntly, the Leafs were not expected to win this series. The Red Wings had an incredibly stacked roster. You had the Russian Five, you had Stevie Iserman, um, you had Paul Coffey on defense. This team was a juggernaut. Um, yeah, it, 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 it was bad. The season series between the Leafs and the Red Wings that year was actually a tie. Three wins, three losses, and a tie. Um, but no nobody basically gave the Leafs a chance. They had a handful of players that were, you know, 30 around that age. So in hockey terms, that's old. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody gave them a chance. It was the first time in 29 years that Toronto was able to best the Red Wings in the playoffs. The previous time was in 1964 in the cup final. And Mr. Gilmore was at it again. 12 points versus Detroit in the seven-game series. Four in game seven alone. 
And yep. going into uh-huh. the, the series, Detroit had only lost three of their last 17 games. Yes. Juggernaut is an understatement. Ooh. They were yeah. they were a force to be reckoned with. Pat, Pat Burns wow. actually, uh, sorry, Steph, he actually pulled Wendell aside nope. at the beginning of this series and told him that there was no way he was fighting Probert in this series. Anybody who <laughs> knows the history there, Clark and Probert had many a good fights. They can be found tons of places online. Um, but Burns knew that we couldn't have him doing that. Yes, he was quote-unquote a third-line role at that point, but with how Clark plays and how he leads, they needed him on the ice. They didn't need him fighting. And Clark has even said in interviews, and I've asked him in the couple of the different times I've met him, that just that was one of the strangest times in his career because he was given so many different nicknames by the media and by fans who were enraged that he wasn't fighting, especially after the first two games. The Leafs get dummied. 6-3 in game one and 6-2 in game two. Oof. Just absolutely destroyed. Wow. And he just refusing to fight. Clark said there was a time he looked back at Pat because he wanted to go out there and fight to spark the team up and (laughs) just screamed at him, no, you're not doing it. (laughs) Wow. Look at the game nowadays, right? It's encouraged not to fight and just use your speed and you know we've talked about all the horrible penalties that's happened this year alone and back then you're saying that without these fights it's changed the game completely yep. so wow that's so interesting yep, so the Leafs blow games... the first two but game three yes, game three take it away yes game three they come out to a quick two nothing lead in the first um you know, just Dave Anderchuk, the mid-season acquisition that Fletcher had. And uh, come out in the second, Fedorov gets one. They bring them back within one. And then Wendell steps up first thing in the third. Four minutes in, gets another one to kind of, you know, take the monkey off his back, so to speak, and, and bring the team back into it. And realistically, that was the turning point for the series. Um, Toronto felt at that point that they actually had a chance that they, you know, they weren't just some team that was going to be foreign, like foreign out. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Toronto ended up winning that game four two. take it back to, uh, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I just, to kind of, cause we do have to get through the first round. I know that you probably have a ton of notes, but, um, so they, <laughs> they end up taking, not only game three, then game four, and then uh, I'll let you t- take game five here because it went to overtime. Yes, they did end up taking game five. Um, and then game six, actually, the Red oh, no, Wings but I was came waiting back. For some, I, thought, I thought you would tell me who scored the overtime winner in game five because it's That's... somebody who's now familiar to the Leafs. Do you wow. know who it was? I was more so thinking you were looking at the game seven overtime winner i'm looking here but i've got uh game five you, mike Foligno. you beauties leaves mike Foligno is the yep. uh, father of nick Foligno, who scored the uh the game winner in overtime so this is a picture of Foligno with um with wendell and you can see probert 
right behind there, number 24 in front of the net as they're celebrating. This is, uh, again, wow. so this is from April 28th, 1993. It's my birthday. Hey, nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What are you, a Taurus? I am a Taurus, yeah. So look at that. They, uh, <laughs> Mike Foligno got a big overtime winner right on your birthday. How fun. Yep. Then the Red Wings come back. They win game six to force the decisive game seven. And the to keep up with the theme in this series, the Red Wings dummied the Leafs again at that point, 7-3. Wild that the games that they lost were so one-sided. And the games that they won were almost entirely in overtime. Like, it, it's they were all close. It reminds me of that Boston series not too long ago where the Leafs were, like, the games that they did squeak out against Boston were, you know, they just won, but then whenever they lost, it was like 5-1. to one. Mm-hmm. And they ended up losing Game 7. Absolutely. Yeah, and th- that Game 7, if you ever get a chance to watch it, you have to watch it. Just I- incredible. Glenn Anderson, you know, veteran from the Edmonton Oilers' heyday, who's on the Leafs. He gets the Leafs on the board to open things up. And only three minutes later, Paul Isabart ties it up for Detroit. Just an absolutely incredible game, which is ended by an overtime game winner, series winner, by one of the most unlikely players that you could think of, Nikolai Borchevsky. Also the name of uh, Mike Myers' cat. Fun fact. No way. Yeah, Mike Myers (laughs) named his cat Nikolai Borchevsky. That is amazing. Lots of calves, lots of skis, yeah. lots of, you know, like you, like Ed yeah, said. lots of ovs. <laughs> yep, Borchevsky gets the winner in OT to send the Leafs into the second round, their first playoff series victory, and at that point, I think it was a decade. We have yeah. <laughs> that's what it feels like now, right? Like it feels like they were breaking the same curse then that they are now. It's like this is so familiar, all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Deja into round vu. two, the Leafs For are taking on St. Louis. Yes. Who, uh, now. And St. Louis has a goalie that it, it was also familiar to uh, to Leaf fans. Curtis Joseph. A- absolutely. Cujo. Cujo. Curtis who? <laughs> I have so many of these headlines. They're awesome. Wow. So uh, May 12th, 1993. Curtis who? Huge 5-1 win gives the Leafs the 3-2 series lead. I know I'm jumping ahead, but you can take the series. No, no, it's all good. Of course, the Toronto Sun. It's all Toronto Sun. Curtis who? Of course, Toronto Sun. You're, they're always on this uh, devil's advocate side of mm-hmm. things. but Yeah, anyway. St. Louis had just finished knocking off the division leaders, Chicago Blackhawks, in the first round. So not only did Toronto knock Detroit off, who was higher than them in the standings, but St. Louis knocked Chicago off, who was higher than them in the standings. And it set up the Leafs-Blues series, which, yet again, ended up having to go seven. I know I showed this one, but this is the shot of Borshevsky with uh, Gilmore. Or, yeah, after they won. They're both nice. beat up and missing teeth. Is that dream, dream Dream Weavers? weavers yep. I have to put this one up on YouTube now because of it's all my these new, uh, visuals. Team name. <laughs> of course, uh, went to Game Seven. Eh? Everything has to be the hard way for the Leafs. Absolutely. So. 
So game one, Toronto, St. Louis. And I don't know if anybody realizes how incredible Cujo was throughout his entire career. Yes, the Blues had a good team, but realistically, they didn't do that well that season. They were 37, 36, and 11. They had Brett Hall, you know, so they could score from anywhere, if anywhere is the top of the circle. And yeah, Toronto comes out to a 2-1 double OT victory by one of the most famous goals in Leafs history. Gilmore with a nice wraparound, basically double-clutched it behind the net and went came back around the same side he was on to beat Cujo. Unreal. Wow. And how many years later did we get Cujo? Um, if I remember correctly, I think we got him in 2000. 98, yeah. 99. There you go. Yeah. 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 I remember because this was the goaltender on my walls as a child. It was always Curtis Joseph, man. Like, he was he was the guy to be. So, yeah. Wow. St. Louis. Appreciating this history. St. Louis lesson. came back and won games two and three. Um, game two was another close one, 2 1 in OT. Game three was a little bit of a more high-scoring affair with St. Louis winning 4-3. Um, and then after that, Toronto took over for 4-5, and five, just completely shutting them down, beating them 4-1 and 5-1. And game. Uh, I just have a note here for that 5-1 game. Um, Anderchuk uh, tied, he got his 10th and 11th, or no, 9th and 10th goal in that game. The 5-1 game to tie Lanny McDonald's scoring record with the Leafs. So Andertruck was light in the back of the net that series. There is three players from this playoff run alone that are still in the top five for points per playoff season. Unbelievable. Clark, Gilmore, and Andertruck. Absolutely. Legends. The Blues stave off, stave off elimination wow. in game six. And then in Game 7, the Leafs put an exclamation mark, ex, exclamation mark on it and destroyed them 6-0. Leafs in charge, 6-0 as they take Game 7. Can anyone see uh, what is in the face of Felix Potvan there? Who got this photo of a puck hitting him square in the middle of the mask? Especially back Un- in 93. Unreal. <laughs> That's awesome. So another game seven. Wow, it was that Toronto uh, Sun. That, Toronto Star. Sorry, actually. sorry, Toronto Johnny. Star. There you go. There's a positive headline right there because it's Toronto <laughs> Star. <laughs> yeah, and that's then actually the true. Series. The Sun ones are a lot different. <laughs> they're more. They're always more mm-hmm. sensational, right? So, sorry, go on, Bean. No, that's okay. And then the series, the one that lives in infamy. All right. So if you've been hanging around for this this long, there's a reason we're talking about this series. This is what you all voted for with our poll. This is all working up to something that is living in infamy um, in Leafs history. It's, as some would say, the last decent chance the Leafs had at winning a cup, the last real run. And, uh, you know, refing, refing is hard as we've kind of established since we started this show and over the last couple of years watching this game, it's not easy to call these games. Um, some things get missed, 
But some things that get missed have a much bigger impact on uh, the outcome of a series or a game than others. And unfortunately, we're going to get to what happened in this one now. Game one of the LA series. Let's go. Game one, Toronto back in the Stanley Cup semifinals for the first time in, well, they were battling for the chance to get the Stanley Cup final for the first time since they won in 67. Toronto, LA. Now, this game was at Maple Leaf Gardens, and it was a, it was a good game, you know, fast pace, hard hit, typical hockey of the era. And the Leafs got up to a what was it at the time? A three one lead or no, the four one lead. And then McSorley happens. McSorley takes a run at Doug Gilmore, and Killer goes down. He's kind of slow to get up, and Clark loses it. There's there it is. The There's the headline. There's the headline. Royal Rumble. There's the shot of McSorley Royal taking Rumble. him out. It's all here. This is um, the sports section, Toronto Sun, Tuesday, May 18th, 1993. Gilmore over Gretzky by a knockout. Yep. It was such a nasty hit that even Pat Burns wanted to get into the scrap. Oh, if you can find the video clip, you need to watch it because Burns tries to go after Melrose. And that just oh ignited the series. All, every every game, every interview, either coach did. They were going back and forth at each other to, to the point that Melrose was taking jabs at Burns' weight. Burns would take jabs at Mel, Melrose's <laughs> mullet. Like, just everything. Yeah. And Carrie Frazier got so much hack after. Just I was reading an interview that happened and he's trying to defend himself right on this call because it's this missed call that obviously ended how it did. But um, he said it, he's in the interview in referee school, they hammer it into you call what you see. Don't guess. And the God honest truth is I didn't see it. I had to well, eat it. So we'll, we'll no get there. Penalty. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, so I'm no, reading sorry, guys. So from game one here. Gilmore had 26 points in 15 games and played 27 minutes, 42 seconds in game one against LA compared to Gretzky's 21 minutes. This guy was a workhorse all over the ice. He was losing weight by the day he played. He routinely played 30 minutes a game and he could not keep weight on. You ask any of the players on that team, and I've had the luxury of being able to talk to, mainly at autograph signings, but to talk to many different players from that era. And they just, everything that's a constant throughout all of them was just the work ethic and the determination from Gilmore was just unbelievable. So here we got another headline from the uh, from the Sun. It says, uh, King Ding. There's another shot from the fight. How awesome are these? <laughs> I just wanted them to come in like, uh, like old school, like a Superman Daily Daily Planet or whatever headline, like just. You know? <laughs> okay, game. so just spin yes. onto the game. Uh, games two, three. Yeah, games two, three. The Kings come back and take a two-one series lead, taking game two, three-two, and game three, four-two. Uh, the Leafs come and they rally back for a four-two win in game four. 
And if you don't realize just how important the, the entire team was at this point, like if you look at the scoring summary from that game, from game four, four, two, the Toronto goal scorers are Bob Rouse, Mike Eastwood, Mike Foligno, and Rob Pearson. Wow. Depth. Right. Yes. Yeah. Gilmore and Clark were in there for assists, but it wasn't all Clark. It wasn't all Gilmore. It wasn't all Andrew Chuck. Everyone stepped up. The whole it team was, was uh, playing Engvall, as Richie, a team. Kasha, Comp. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Steve's. This is this is what we're hoping for. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, game five goes to overtime, keeping this series intense. High five, Leafs win it. There's another awesome shot of uh, look at look at the. LA Kings goalie there. Kelly Rudy. He's having a nap. That's Kelly Rudy. Oh my God. (laughs) That's Kelly Rudy. He's just going to lay down right here and have a quick little nappy poo. So Glenn Glenn Anderson Anderson. with the the OT winner. (laughs) Yep. Steps up and gets it. And then the infamous game. So all of this, what we've been talking about here, like this is all to put into context. I know we've been talking for 40 minutes, but this is all to put into context how huge this series was and how hard the Leafs fought and how many people were playing their best hockey and how many insurmountable hurdles they were able to get over to get to this point. And game six happens. This is, you know, remember all these things like Torts is talking about with, um, with McDavid, how... These stars don't get calls um, in the playoffs, and no matter no matter what happens to them, like you know, it's just it gets violent for them. You know, things people get high sticked and cross checked and all that, and and they don't get calls. David and Matthews are are the leaders for it. <laughs> but that would be like if McDavid was high sticking well, Matthews. What, yeah, right? this is my point: is what happens <laughs> when one superstar does something blatant to another superstar like who which way does the call go so it like it's like you're saying darty like if if matthews and mcdavid had something like this happen or like we saw with matthews where he got in the uh, the little wrestling match there like how do you mm-hmm. how do you call this because the refs are like well we don't want to call anything on matthews or pierre luc dubois so this is hard yep and it, i've read so many different interviews talked to the players um the, the whole atmosphere of the game was just crazy. And I, I couldn't even imagine how horrible it would have been if it was in Maple Leaf Gardens. This one was in the Western Forum in LA. Um, but to start the game, Glenn Anderson did, wasn't just happy getting the OT winner the game before. Decided he wanted to open the scoring up in this game. 57 seconds in. Anderson from Gilmore. Then about 10 minutes later, Tony Granado, the great Tony Granado, ties it up 1-1. They go into the second period. Captain Clutch, Captain Crunch, whatever you <laughs> want to call him. My favorite player, Wendell Clark, opens the scoring in the second period to give the Leafs the lead again. And then at that point, it kind of started to spiral out of control. Um, so for if you haven't followed how the series went, the Leafs are winning three games to two at this point. So if they take this game six, the series is over. They're going to the Stanley Cup finals. That's it. Gretzky's gone. At this but, point, there's three teams left in the playoffs. 
Montreal, LA, and Toronto. Yeah. The chance for the Leafs to face the Habs for the first time in the in well in the Cup final for the first time since '67. And just a, a matchup that can't even happen anymore. Because, you know, with the expansion teams that we touched on earlier, they were going to be doing some division realignments. And this was the second last year in this format. So there, mm-hmm. was, a, there was a lot on the line. Wow. And so we keep beating around what happened. So this is an excerpt <laughs> directly from Kerry Frazier, the infamous referee of the game. Um, here's, here's his direct quote. So as the Kings set up on the power play, I was down by the far circle, away from the puck. In my brain, this is, this is what I was processing. Gretzky gets the puck. He shoots it. My eyes go to Jamie McCoon, who blocks it. The puck rebounds between Gretzky and Doug Gilmore. When my eyes go back to Gretzky, I see a motion. Gilmore goes down. Did Gretzky's stick follow through and catch him? Gilmore's bent over now, and he's got blood on his chin. So the refs missed a extremely blatant high stick from Wayne Gretzky that cut the face of Doug Gilmore, which we know would be drawing blood double minor back then it actually would have been a five minute major and he would have been out of the game correct my you're right so, so it all, makes it all hard. this it makes it hard because you, what are you gonna you even if you did see it like you're gonna toss gretzky out of the game like it's it's that whole conversation <laughs> right so yep so all this wendell clark ends up completing the hat trick with a minute 30 I believe left in the third period to tie the game um the end of the third Glenn Anderson takes a stupid penalty he basically tries to push Rob Blake's head through the glass so then that's why that's why LA was on the power play to start the overtime um (laughs) yeah and uh yeah, a- a- anything and everything you read, Frazier has come out and admitted. He said, you know, he knows he messed up. They saw the video the next day. Mm-hmm. He didn't have replays back then. Of course. There was one angle yeah. at the time that a lot of people were showing, and they weren't even showing that angle in the forum. He didn't see it until so, the following day when mm-hmm. league office contacted them and said, hey, this is actually what happened. And why is it uh, why is it relevant that Gretzky didn't get tossed out of the game? Because the whistle of you know when Gilmore was down and bleeding, that face off, Gretzky scored the overtime winner to eliminate well to send them to Game Seven, and the Leafs deflated just didn't win Game Seven. Yes, that was the chance with, to seal the deal, and and with, Gretzky killed it with Gilmore off the ice and in the dressing room getting stitched up. Exactly right. Gilmore's gone, and you've got wow. uh, you've got Gretzky taking the face off. So, game over. Great one kills Leafs Cup dreams. <sighs> I love that the font is like size yeah. two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> like Times New Roman. <laughs> oh man! And this is why, like, we're so angry today when we have those video reviews. We have. Uh, the option to look back plays and recall pe- or what should have been a penalty, what shouldn't have been. And like, it's times like these, right? And people are so uneducated about this, including myself. So yeah. here's another one. Yeah. Heartbreak. Kings and, and even oh. heartbreak. Oh. Even the media was... to have a, uh, a hat trick and assist in game seven for a 5-4 win. And what he says is the best game he's ever played. 
which he probably wouldn't have played wow. had he been tossed out of the game before. Yeah. I mean, yeah. arguable, but... At least it was Wayne Gretzky <laughs> out That's of okay. all people. <laughs> at least at least the, the Habs ended up beating them due to a the size of a stick all right so like if that's a if that's a sore way to lose for the leafs like i feel horrible for the the kings then because they literally lost because their sticks was too long how about carrie frazier or is it a legal curve or something yep carrie frazier he was the one who had to make the call and measure mcsurley's stick and he was the one who missed the call on gretzky are you serious oh my i didn't know that it was it was frazier again who measured the stick that's so funny that was this big rebound after missing the call. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do something right for once. And <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, wow. so my dad teased it, but here's the theory. Because 1993 is um, an important year for the NHL because this is when Gary Bettman took over. Was 92-93 mm-hmm. was his Don, first Don, year, Don, right? Going. Yes, sir. So he came over from yes. the NBA. And, uh, okay, so here I'm just going to read what my dad has in front of me. The NHL was about to ex- expand to two palm tree teams. This is uh, Tampa Bay, who had just come in, and Anaheim, who was about to come in. It would be ideal if the lowly LA Kings, who are also from a palm tree, California state, uh, are to make it to the finals. So if we, the, uh, the Batman entourage, could avoid two Canadian teams to play for the cup, let's do it. So if you think about it, you've got expansion teams. Batman's whole thing, we've we've covered this, you know, to its end. Batman's not interested in promoting hockey within Canada because there's nothing like it's already promoted here. He doesn't need to do much about it. What he needs to do is expand into the lower states to where people don't watch and don't play hockey. So if you've got these teams coming in in California and in Florida, what looks better than having LA in the finals against Montreal the year before they come in? It, it, it's surprised? definitely a theory know. that's been out there i mean it's mm-hmm. tough to like it's not like you can tell a ref in the moment to miss a call like obviously but it's just it's a deep-rooted thing right it's batman like we said there's there's no work that he puts in in canada to uh to bolster audiences here so i mean it, it kind of follows suit with all of his decisions for the last whatever that is 28 years since then I think it's interesting. It's come, like I said, some kind of shit I would come up with. (laughs) (laughs) And just like as Leafs fans, like you, we've been so beaten over these past couple of decades that it's, uh, you know, we, we always have, we always do think from the, like, you know, why aren't we winning? Why aren't we winning? Cause we are like the Yankees of the, the NHL, yeah. right? Like we, you know, even they win at least once a decade, like it's been since 67, like we're get we're starting to encroach, uh, you know, um, we're starting to encroach Red Sox territory, right? With the, the whole hocus pocus behind why we can't win a Stanley cup, let alone a first round. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, we're so over time, I'm not going to be able to touch on Ballard today, but that's a whole other theory behind the Leafs curse is that, uh, the last owner of the Maple Leaf Gardens and the team there uh, in the in the 60s who ended up going to jail for 47 counts of fraud and using the Leafs as a personal bank account. Just to, that's the tip. That's like the tip <laughs> of the iceberg for what this guy did. Um, wow. So I think we'll have to cover that in another episode. Well, the good thing is uh, we're talking about 93 right now, right? And that was actually, uh, 
That was, uh, and uh, Bean will know this, is uh, Steve Stavros, who, uh, to the children listening into this show, owned what uh, was uh, a very famous place called Knob Hill Farms, all right? So if you ever go into your garage and you find like a little black bin with a cow skull on it, you're like, what the heck is Knob Hill Farms? Well, he... He was the one who was running the Leafs in that time. And right? he also, I found in the uh, Ballard story, they met because they owned a soccer team together in Toronto. Because Ballard brought a four-team Canadian soccer division to Canada and tried to introduce a penalty box into soccer. And FIFA said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> he he so, was full um, of interesting <laughs> ideas from... No kidding wanting from refusing to put players nameplates on the back of their jerseys to the point that he put a blue nameplate on a blue jersey yep to attempting and white to, on the white jerseys absolutely from from attempting yeah. to trade the toronto maple leafs for the edmonton oilers i'm sorry what yes. i missed that one <laughs> yes at one point he not he didn't want gretzky he wanted the oilers he wanted a full-out team swap. Uh, this guy. Literally, <laughs> like, it's it's the equivalent of, like, uh, like if Mark Zuckerberg owned a hockey team and just cared, didn't know anything about hockey and just wanted money and was like, well, these people make money. I want that. Yep. But did you know that Harold Ballard did win once in the 80s, all right? Uh, Bean, do you know uh, which team won for Harold Ballard in the 80s? Um, not off the top of my head, no. The Hamilton oh, Tiger yeah! Cats. He bought the Tiger Cats, and he replaced the center ice logo at Maple Leaf Gardens with the Tiger Cats logo. Because he's nuts. <laughs> wow. He'd fired a coach and then hired him back a couple days later, asking him to wear a paper bag over his head. Yep. I mean, this this is. We'll just, <laughs> I mean, we could do a full story, but these are fun. These are just little tidbits of crazy things. So um, there was one that I saw where, when they built the lighting for the Maple Leaf Gardens, uh, it was built to look good on broadcasts on CBC, right? So the lights, the players were complaining, was causing a glare off the ice, and they couldn't see. And so he goes to CBC and he goes, I did this for you. So you're going to pay for redoing the lights. And they're like, what? No, we're not. This is your arena, not ours. Smashes the thing beside him, grabs the fire fireman's axe in case of fire, holds it over CBC's cable for their feed of Hockey Night in Canada during the game and says, you're paying for the lights or I'm cutting this cord. And they're like, Harold, put the, wow. put the axe down. He goes, you're paying for my lights? And they're like, fine. Great. Thanks. He... Yeah, way to get he your ran way? the team like it was peaky fucking blinders. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, wow. but if you look at his Wikipedia page, you'll see the the first picture of him is uh, him in a uh, a beautiful fur coat with a bowler hat yes. on. So uh, next to some like very typical Toronto house, looks like it could be in like the annex or something. Yeah. So I mean, I, yeah, like I said, we'll just we'll just do some little tidbits on him here. Like there was um, he was charged with 47 counts of fraud for basically using the team as a personal bank account he rented a limousine for his daughter's wedding motorcycles for his son uh redid his houses and his cottage with the leafs uh pers- like the leafs bank account essentially was his own and uh he took control of the team from con Smythe. 
because Conn Smythe tried to sell it to his own son, Stafford, and Ballard stepped in with $2.5 million and kind of bought it out from under him. And then Stafford died, and wow, he's basically uh, he's basically Jerry Jones before there was a Jerry Jones, you know, like just crackpot of a of a of a yeah. They tried to get him off the board, but he owned too many shares and just kind of formed his own board and kicked the old one out. Well, he lived in uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. Like he had his own little suite there, like to actually. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a photo of Queen Elizabeth II wow. that he took out to add more seats in. And when asked about it, he said, uh, "She doesn't pay me; I pay her." And on that note, what the hell position can a queen play anyway? What the <laughs> right. Hey, he still made the Hockey Hall of Fame, nineteen seventy-seven. Got honored to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and he so. spent four years or three years in prison, like. He was in Kingston wow. Penn for, this is for the tax evasion and def- fraud. Like, <laughs> it's wild. When we say the old boys club, well, this is it. This he's is the old boy. It's never ending. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, um, even non-hockey related, the Beatles, he booked them to come through the Maple Leaf Gardens in the summer and he shut off uh, all the water fountains and turned the heat up in the building so everybody had to buy drinks. He is a crook, like in and out. And this is the legacy that he left the Leafs with. And, you know, the reason that a lot of people say that they're cursed. So that's, that's why I enjoy this. Definitely. That's why I enjoy this new era of Dubas and and Keefe and how they all came up through the Marlies together and through the, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and kind of building a team of, of positive energy and people that get along and, you know, Yes. It's a nice dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's refreshing. It's also, it's also a very, very like a humble story, too. Because if you look at someone like Sheldon Keefe, who like, you know, started his hockey career as kind of a pain in the ass, you know, with the whole handshake, this is really going to burn your ass. And then, you know, Sheldon Keefe just being kind of a nerd, like a guy who went to Brock University. You know, they say, you no know, offense to anybody here, but they do say you walk and talk <laughs> and go to Brock. Well, you can also uh, run the run the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? You know, and then. And then, of course, all under the under the supervision of uh, Shanahan, who is a you know an NHL legend, right? Who just wants to bring one home. Like this is not just a bunch of cocky executives. Like these are all just people who, you know, not just you know they're hum- hum- humble beginnings and they want to do something great, right? So it's good to see. So um, hopefully, we can see the Leafs and Sens on uh, Friday or Saturday. Saturday, Saturday. Um, but I mean, fingers crossed at this point, we have no idea if that game's going to happen. There's other games going on. I think the Raptors are back in action. Um, there's some sports to watch. Keep watching the World Juniors. I think there's still football going on if that's your jam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anybody want to close us off yes. with something before we sign off here? Oh, we have. Just what's our code? Please go. Please go. Do we need another code word? Are we still giving something away today or are we done? Ballard? I was thinking that, actually, Darty. Code word. All right. Ballard. Ch- ding, ding. Just, Where's my ding? Ballard. Just just a heads up. Finland beat Austria 7-1. Oh! Maybe. Any uh, points for our boys? Niemela got a goal. Yeah. Nice. I'll have to look up that goal. Awesome. That's awesome. All right. 
This concludes our uh, history lesson, our prospect watch, our world junior watch, our end of the year episode. Um, Have yourselves a wonderful, safe New Year's, and we'll be back with hopefully a recap on Saturday of uh, the first game of 2022 against the Sens. If not, we'll probably still do an episode that day. Was it postponed? When? Did we miss? Thank you, Ed. Breaking, Breaking news, news. Yep, they just postponed the Sens game. Shit. <laughs> this is what happens when we record live. These things just happen. Winnipeg Jets not permitting fans yes. for home games until at least January 11th. Ooh. So next I episode, think. Bean will tell us all about the storied history of the Toronto arenas. Okay, tune in. <laughs> <laughs> and the Toronto Toros. That's a whole thing. With the... well, that's we should do a history lesson. Toros or WHA. St. Pat. Well, that's also a Ballard story. S- sickest, j- sickest jersey. And... <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, la- last thing. Ballard said yes. that the, uh, the the Tiger Cats were all overpaid and losers. But when they won, his quote was, uh, you're still all overpaid, but nobody can call you losers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> How, every, like, I wish we had sound bites from this guy. It's unreal. Um, so I have some video yes. clips I'm going to try and edit in over while we're talking about these things. So this is going to be a bit of an editing nightmare. Stay tuned for the video. Um, audio will be up soon. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to, uh, Bean and Darty for joining us today. Thank you to Steph for always being here. And, uh, Bilbo, get well soon. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Happy New Year. And follow at Dirty Road Dirt. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be too much of a plug, you know. Just... <laughs>